And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 244 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded on Thursday, September 3rd, 2020. And with me, my good friend, my colleague, and a guy who actually should vote more than twice in North Carolina, Mr. Joe Polizzi. Oh, oh yes, I'm voting friend. as many times as possible because uh, because yeah, I, I you heard test we can. that system. I heard we can do this. Yeah, you got to test that system. I'm see if it works. So I can, but I have my absentee <laughs> ballot. Well, you see me on Facebook. That's all I'm doing lately. Is I'm I'm not I'm trying to not get political, <laughs> but I am just <laughs> saying you can't, you can't anymore. You can't I not. Know, but, I mean, but the stuff you, know, you could post a picture of a potato and people would go. Deep state, you know. I mean, it would. Be, I like, know, isn't it crazy? But all I've been po- all yeah. I've been posting is, please vote. Get your voting plan in order, right? And when you have your voting exactly. plan in order, I mean, this is serious. And then, then go talk to your friends. Do they have a voting plan? And all will be right with the world. But right now, we're not. Um, uh, I mean, d- did you do Adam? You did Adam Frazier's podcast, right? E- his EY yeah, in I Australia. Did. Absolutely, I didn't know this yeah. when I was talking. You probably knew this. I didn't know this that they are have mandatory voting as a citizen of Australia. You have to vote, or you get fined. So they have a hundred percent voting. Yeah, absolutely. And some people absolutely might say that's horrible, do. but I absolutely love it, and I wish we would do it here in the United States of America. But we do not yet. So we have to get people out to the vote. We can't even make voting like a, a holiday. I mean, so, I mean, are you kidding me with the mandatory thing? I mean, it's like, anyway, I'll get off on a rant on that. But, but you know, yeah, it's, it's a little nutty here. Well, speaking of nutty, you have to be geared up for the start of NFL Come football. on. Come on. I mean... Look, and, and by the way, this is the second uh, empirically proven favorite part of the show. When we <laughs> talk, talk about, about Everybody football. wants to hear me talk about the Browns and how bad they are. Yeah, I know, right? Thanks, I love James that. Gardner. I love that. Yeah, it's I, you. I'm looking I at you, buddy. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. That I just love it. Yeah, his, their favorite part of the show is to, to wallow the in Browns. his misery of the Browns. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yes. Uh, well, it is a, it is a well worn holiday. I mean, it's pretty much something you can depend on, like Groundhog's Day. You can really depend on it each year. <laughs> but yes, my friend, I am absolutely psyched. You know, for football, despite the fact that it'll be played with no fans. Although, I have to tell you, I've been watching basketball, which is fantastic this year, by yeah. the way, um, and baseball, and. I'm not bugged at all by the no fans in the stands thing. I'm just, I'm, I mean, it would be great to be able to go to a game. There's, don't get me wrong, but, but you know, from a television experience, I'm, you know, have you? I'm not, I'm not bugged at all. Have you seen any of the ba- baseball stuff? I know you're not a baseball fan. Have you watched any game? Yeah, okay, of course. Well, you know they have. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look. Dodgers are 28 okay. and 15. I yeah, mean, come so on the now. Indians are doing quite well. I mean, the Indians—that's their name right now. It might not be their name in next year, but right now they're the Cleveland Indians. <laughs> right. And you know they have all the uh, the pictures of the people that are this, the the cardboard pictures in most. That's right. That's well, right. Well, when I was watching the St. Louis Cardinals uh, Cleveland Indians play the other night, uh, Pam, my wife, and I, we were watching the game, and a ball was hit out to right field. It was a foul ball or whatever, and they showed the overhead view, and you could see movement in the crowd. Like you could, and I'm like, oh my god, are there people there? Like, what's going on? And then you saw the the other angle when they were showing the man at first base, the runner at first base, and there's nobody there. So I'm like, what are they doing? And then you finally realize that they're superimposing fans when you're watching it. So they have the fans. So if you if you got an overhead view or a particular view watching a St. Louis Cardinals game, you'll see fans. And it's all it's all computer gen- it's all computer generated, and the fans move and and um, make noise depending on where the ball is hit in the park. And I think it's fascinating. Well, that I've heard the audio. I've definitely heard they're doing that in Dodger yeah. Stadium as well, where you've got you know audio of fans being pumped in. But realistically, watching that, 
I had to look really hard to see that it, it wasn't actual human beings. It, it was it's phenomenal. But yeah, to to your point, I have no problem watching sports without. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't change the television experience in my opinion? No, so. I think it's great. I think it's. I mean, we'll see football, right? We'll see how it changes football. But um, um, yeah, I couldn't be more excited for it. I, you know, I am such a football fan, and I just can't wait for it to to start. It'll start, by the way, for those. You know, for, for those who are like, well, what, when are they talking? You know, when will they be done with this? And when will they? it's next week? It's by the way. So we it's in our off week. Um, so September 9th is the kickoff uh, first game. And I can tell you right now, I will be there. I will be on TV. I will. And I, it's, you know, it's Chiefs and Texans. So normally I don't even care at all about that. But boy, do I oh, care yeah, about absolutely. it. And, uh, and the first Browns game, of course, we deferred our tickets this year. We're season ticket holders. We deferred our tickets. So we're going to be watching it from home. But I'm going to put on my number two Johnny Manziel jersey for good luck. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> When no, I spoke. I spoke at an event. Uh, I don't know. This is years ago, and and uh, Carlos Hildago was speaking with me, and the uh, Scott McCafferty who ran the event. He gave us all Johnny Manziel jerseys as our speaking gift. So at the time, he hadn't even played it down yet. So it was awesome because we thought he was going to be the next Jesus. It's a great gift. Yeah, that's a great gift. So yeah. he wasn't the next Jesus. But no, he he definitely he wasn't. wasn't. He was he he wasn't the next chipmunk. Yeah, well, I much don't know. Less I think Jesus, Jesus <laughs> probably could have threw a better pass. Jesus would not have run around well, the pocket. I'm not like sure that. a chipmunk yeah. a chipmunk might throw a better pass than uh, Johnny Football. It was exciting um, for a while, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. absolutely. So yes, uh, what is this? Is this a marketing show? I don't know. It should be a marketing show. Um, we're going to talk a lot today about interesting things um we're going to open up uh you know the show with of course our top of the show segment where we've sort of set the tone set the mood as it were with uh, something that's happening in the world um, are we, we going to change it up this week we're talking about interesting wh- things and not uninteresting things like we normally do you said that like this was a new thing we're actually going to talk a new thing. about we're, interesting yes, things. we're actually going to speak about interesting <laughs> things change. yes ha- hashtag it's all interesting. the interesting things um all the interesting yep. things. And the first interesting thing that we will speak to, uh, yeah, coming back a little bit to politics, but not too much. It's definitely more content in social media than anything else, but it's just big news. Um, it's the biggest. That we need to cover. Um, and it's about Facebook. Facebook has not had the best of years this year. Um, although from their stock price, you know, you wouldn't. Yeah, oh, yeah. Their stock that. price is up 40% and they've had a horrible year. Uh, that's yeah, amazing. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's, it is unbelievable. The headline that we'll put in the show notes, of course, and we're going to pair this with a couple of headlines, one from CNBC, the other from the New York times. Um, the headline here is Facebook to ban new political ads in the week before the presidential election. This just coming out, Facebook announced on Thursday, uh, that it will ban new political ads from running in the week before the November 3rd presidential election. The action is narrow, banning only political ads submitted in the week before the election, but still allowing those submitted before October 27th, which is ridiculous, but we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, In addition to the new restriction, Facebook said it will link any post from a candidate attempting to declare victory before the final resorts are in to vote counts from Reuters and the national election pool. We'll pair that, and then we'll have a fun discussion about this with the New York Times article that says Russians again targeting Americans with disinformation, say Facebook and Twitter. The company said the FBI had warned them that Kremlin-backed internet research agency set up a network of fake user accounts and a website. Uh, The Russian group that interfered in the 2016 presidential election is at it again, using a network of fake accounts and a website set up to look a lot like left-wing news sites Facebook and Twitter said on Tuesday. Disinformation campaign by the Kremlin-backed group, known as the Internet Research Agency, uh, is the first public evidence that the agency is trying to repeat its efforts from four years ago and push voters away uh, to help President Trump. So what say you about all of this, I guess, about Facebook and the ads and and uh, and the content being generated by our friends, um, or not so friends, uh, across the pond, as it yeah, were. I'm, I'm honestly completely torn because 
I think that Facebook is a living hell right now. Well, I guess I'm not torn. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that it's <laughs> hell on earth, and and there's yeah. a there's a special place uh, for Mr. Zuckerberg in this. The okay, that's fine. The whole ad thing is fine. We're not going to do presidential ads and whatever. But that's not the problem. The problem is the second one you read, that there is an inf- okay, Russia, whatever. There is an infiltration of so much fake news and fake information. And what's interesting about this one is that the in the 2016 election, I believe most of the content were created by non-US people. This one's different because the Russian group actually went out to American freelancers and hired American freelancers to write on this stuff. Exactly. At That's 75 right. they, bucks they a basically, pop or something. They, they basically went out to some of the, you know, content, content marketing farms. agencies out there and said, let's get some yeah, exactly. right. <laughs> no, they didn't going. go to the content and- marketing agency. That's terrible. <laughs> you can't say that on a content marketing show. They went out to, you could say content farms. You could say that. Yeah. You could absolutely do that. <laughs> well, you well know. stop it, stop I mean- it, stop it. All, <laughs> All right. That's the issue. So I think that Facebook doesn't know, I mean... Th- this thing had been out for, I think, at least 30 days, and that now they shut it. Now they shut it down. It's too late. There's, these things have been shared a million times already, and it's going to happen over and over and over again. And, they, and by the time they get their arms around what's going on, it's already out. It's already out in the open, and people are sharing it, and they're recreating new content, and it's going out there. And this is such a horrible issue going on not not just in the united states but around the world and if you read through the new york times article right to the bottom the um i think it's the fbi the person that's representing the fbi or the i don't know if it's yeah the person representing in the article says that it is they're 100 percent sure that that all these activities the key linchpin that's bringing it all together is facebook for them so just just think about that so if you're Mr. Zuckerberg, what do you do? You say, oh, we're going to ban advertising, which, by the way, is not the problem. They're pretty quick on that. When, when an adverti- political ad goes out, they, can, you know, they already approve those things. They could tag it pretty quickly and say, oh, we're going to take it down or we're not going to run it. This other, the organic content is different. And I think it's a huge problem. I, I wish everybody just for the next you know, 60 days or whatever it is, 58 days until the election, I wish we just all stay off of Facebook, but it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's sad really. I mean, when you think about the whole, the whole thing that, you know, this is why we can't have nice things um, is because, you know, these things happen, you know, my take on this is that, and they, 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 the New York times article hints around a little bit at this, but you know, this, this sort of thing that they caught the Russians doing was nothing more than the than the Russians sort of jumping up and down, doing jumping jacks, saying, hey, look over here, look over here, look over here, what we're doing, so that everybody goes, ah, oh, we caught it, we did it, right? We, you know, we got, we got rid of the, the bad yeah. guys, right? They, they, they totally just threw themselves under the bus to say, of course you've now stopped it, but of course they haven't stopped it because just to your point, they've gone out to homegrown here in the U.S., groups and enable them to do exactly that. So everybody can point to the fact that it's like over there not happening anymore because quote unquote Twitter and Facebook quote caught it, but they didn't catch it. They caught, they caught who wanted to be caught. Yep. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, there's a word for this, right? Where I, and I'm, I'm blanking on it right now. It's where you basically, uh, somebody used it the other day. It was a great example of you, you basically, when like you break into the house, Trojan horse, you, no, you break into the house uh, through some sneaky way, but then you basically open all the windows and you open all the doors and then you basically, you leave and everybody else can yep. come in through the doors, right? You know, that's, that's, you've seen it. Yeah. You, it you've is, seen right? it in a bunch of chase movies The somebody's chasing somebody else and they open the door or open the window, but then they stay in the house. It's like, oh, they must have went right. through there. Yeah, that's right. That's a, that's a really that's good, right. yeah, that's a good analogy. That's, that's sort of what, yeah. I mean, but I mean, let's talk about it from a broader marketing sense or content sense. So this is happening, okay, specifically on Facebook, number one. Number two on Twitter, 
Uh, of course, we got the whole TikTok thing. It's going. It's it's obviously it has to be on other platforms as well. I mean, we're at crisis level. I hear for for these social media outlets because can you really trust anything? Can you really trust anything? I mean, you might put something on Facebook, but I have to say, is that really him? But then I see that there's alcohol involved, and I say, okay, it is him. <laughs> but <laughs> is it? Yeah. Is it? What do they do? Yeah. So what happens? What what's going on? I you know I I think. In many ways, I think what we're seeing is an opportunity for, and I'm, you know, I'm anecdotally I'm seeing this uh, from a lot of the brands that we're working with, which is a real, you know, reticence to put a lot of money in, you know, basically drawing in the promotional aspects of what social can do, but really, I mean it. It drives down any sense of community and or building audiences on these social media platforms. I mean, they literally are just using them as sources of traffic. Um, and to the extent that you can compete on social media these days is all about your ability to, you know, throw up some sort of ad that is cleverly disguised as a post or a post dis- cleverly disguised as an ad, one of the two, and basically drive traffic to your your owned media or wherever you're yeah. driving that traffic to and take advantage of the the moment, right? You know, either get them to subscribe or buy something. You know, some of the stuff that I'm seeing really work these days, you know, and not the least of which is because of what's going on with COVID and all of that is the sort of embedded commerce um, I know I've made a few sort of impulse purchases, right? You know, you see some classic ad for a t-shirt or for some pot that you really want or, you know, whatever it is. And you sort of, oh, I'll, yeah, sure. You're, bought, you're buying buy. pot on um, a, a, oh, pot. A, pot. a pot, a pot, a pot, I a did. pot, not, not, not I pot. thought for sure no. you were buying can't, pot on Facebook. Know. I was well, no, you can't get that online just yet. You would know. <laughs> you have to go to. A- <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just can't. You know, you gotta have. You gotta have a. Yeah, I was. I was gonna say, guy. I'm yeah. definitely getting served up different ads than you are. <laughs> yeah, that may. But be yeah, true. I mean, there, that the, that's true. the thing. The Facebook's advertising program and their implementation of it is so good because they have the data. They have everything yeah, you. That's yeah, right. They have everything you do, everything you say. They know they can. It it's so weird when you. Th- it's almost because we've had the conversation of are they listening to you and our friends? Because it seems like if you talk about and they probably are. Because if you talk about something, it's, it seems like you see an ad for it. Next time you're on Facebook. Yeah, the, well, and the what I've been to, you know, because I get that question all the time from you know my wife and people who are not in the business. You know, they're like, oh, are they, are they listening? And I'm like, it, they may be or may not be. But the broader point is they don't have to. There, there are so many. Now, this may change, by the way, when when Apple, and no, not may. It will change yeah. when Apple releases the new iOS, which we could have covered this episode and didn't. Um, but when Apple release, releases the new iOS, um, it is it is very likely that we're going to see Facebook and and really come into a world of hurt because of that because it's all the apps it's not Facebook it's all the apps that get released through you know the iPhone store and 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 the Google Play store that are listening to your data and listening to your you know taking control of the camera and all of that kind of stuff and that's what provides the the you know the platform of facebook the advertisers on facebook with the data enough to throw that relevant ad up there it's not you know facebook listening to you it's the you know it's the app you downloaded well i don't know i mean it's it's hard to to be able as an individual to do anything about this outside of just talking about it but i i think so this is on a personal basis i think i'm only going to go on facebook once a week I'm going to just start going once a week. I'll get caught up. I've been thinking about it. I'll get caught up with what everybody's going on. I'll see your Friday concoction. You know, I'll do all that. I'll see JK's man cave stuff one day. And then I'm off the rest of the week. I, I should, I should not be getting any of my news at all from Facebook. 
I can get that from Wall Street Journal, New York Times, NPR, or whatever, and call it a day. Be done. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I, you know, the funny thing is, is that I, you know, the, the reason, and I've been relatively successful at this, you know, it's, it's getting harder to, to be honest, um, really pruning my friend list to only include those people that, you know, because I, the reason and the only reason I really enjoy Facebook, it is, it is certainly not to keep up with politics. I don't need my friends to keep me up with politics. I, Thank you very much, but I I just don't need it. Um, but I really love being able to see dogs and hikes and you know JK's man cave thing and you know your posts about where you're you know spending time with your family and th- that's why I like Facebook. Um, and I would miss that if it goes away if I choose to make it go away. But increasingly, it's just really difficult to not you know just see a wall of it you know. My Facebook feed some days feels more like a CNN yeah, feed than it does true. sort of friends and family. Well, and I, unfortunately, I had to unfollow a lot of my family just simply because they kept, not for their political views, but but because they were putting up informa- misleading or at, outright wrong information. And I can't take it. I can't yeah. take it because you can't say, stop putting that up, it's wrong. They'll say, did I'm you not see, wrong, you're wrong. Did you see Chris Penn's sort of hack on that? Uh, I it, it's a really good tip. Basically, his his tip was when you see stuff like that um, from either friends or 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 whatever. There's a setting in Facebook when you go, you can actually say block source. Oh, I've se- I have seen so that. It, yeah, I don't want to see any. And more if you of that block source. the source. Yeah, if you block the source, it doesn't block the person, nor does it unfriend the person, but it actually blocks you from ever seeing anything from that particular news outlet. So I can, is there a button that says, I want no uh, political information from Russian sources? Is there something that specific <laughs> well, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I could? No, that would be, that would be, that would be. There should be. Yeah, it some, should be a thing. There should be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it should be a thing. We laugh, All right. but it's tra- this yes. whole thing is tragic. It's tragic. <laughs> it's, <laughs> send in the clowns. <laughs> send in the clowns. This is a Sondheim. This is totally ripe for a Sondheim musical. Somebody out there who's into the musicals should write a Sondheim-style musical over what 2020 is. It's well, just the, but there is. This, you can go to Sondheim on Sondheim. That was an actual musical. So, I mean, I've seen it. It's a lot of Sondheim. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost too much. Almost too much. <laughs> That's that should be the title of this week's episode. A lot of Sondheim. Sondheim. All right. Let's move on to our second Let's segment of the show, which is a few articles that Joe and I have selected from around the web that uh that hopefully enlighten you or give us something to talk about for sure. Um the first one is a fun one, comes to us courtesy of the Wall Street Journal. Um we haven't talked a lot about Lego in a long oh. time. Um, it's, uh, it, it, they're, they're, they're doing some fun and interesting things. Um, the fact that they misspell or misdo Lego in the wall street journal is a little troubling, but, um, you mean, what are they all lowercase and supposed to be uppercase? Yeah, they do. They, yeah, yeah, they do. But they they didn't do do Legos, which is you Legos is incorrect. I see that it's not Legos. It's always Lego bricks, Lego. Right. Anyways. Right. Anyway, the article opens up by saying, seeking ideas for TV shows, digital videos, and toy sets, Lego uh, is asking for people to share their imaginings on a new platform set up for that purpose called Lego World Builder. The platform lets users propose story worlds, characters, and other ideas by uploading concept art, videos, and descriptions. Lego said it will buy the ideas that it likes. Entertainment has long been important to the $21 billion toy industry, which also sells playthings based on popular Hollywood franchises, as well as making TV series and movies about its own wares. Licensed Star Wars toys help Lego rebound from near bankruptcy in the early 2000s. No, that is incorrect, but okay, all right. 
while the success of the Lego movie in 2014 helped usher in new products and an increase in revenue. Content, stories featuring toys, has become central as toy makers vie for children's attention against the video games, YouTube, and social media. And it goes on to talk about this new platform and basically sourcing and crowdsourcing um, things from uh, the, their audiences to develop new products. Uh, this, I, I mean, I love so much of what Lego does, but you know, what's your take on this? Well, I, I, what I like about it, and you, we talked about it before the show, is that if you... <laughs> One of the core goals of developing audiences online is for R&D and product development. And in this case, it's beautiful because they built it's you know the audience first platform, self created in, the, in this from from the audience crowdsource, and they're going reaching out there and saying, look, we're this is a wonderful audience, maybe the best of uh, of the audiences we have. And we are going to use them to create new products and services. And it reminds me, I, I just we just interviewed uh, Brian Clark of Copyblogger fame, and he was talking about how he built Copyblogger blogger as build the audience first, and then from that we build products and services. And he was what I loved about it. He said, "Look, all we did was build the audience and then observe what they did, observed what they needed." They sent us emails. They had comments. And he said it was very clear after 12 to 18 months what we needed to create for that particular audience because we knew them better than anyone else. So he went on and and built some multi-million dollar products that he sold, and he's done a fantastic job. I wish more enterprises would look at it like that and like Lego is doing instead of saying, oh, we need to use, use it as a lead generation tool or something like that. And this is... This is beautiful. And this is, you and I talked about the idea of we get in such a silo in content marketing. Here's, a re, here's an awesome place to start where you can reach out to the product group and the R&D group, depending on how big your enterprise is, and say, look, there's some, we could do something fantastic. And instead of getting all the smart people in the room, all the stuff's already being discussed out on the web. Let's do it that way. Let's try that. Yeah. So. Yeah, AARP did the same thing. One of the things that I love about the AARP story, um, and that's the Association uh, of of Retired People, for those of you um, in uh, not in the U.S. And how is that magazine? I know you've been receiving it for a while. There it is. Oh, it's true. They lowered the age to 50. I know they did. But you're 46 now. So, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's right. Something like that. Anyway, yes. One of the things that they did um, that was so amazing was they used the audience to the magazine to basically ask through polls and surveys what new products and educational products specifically they should be launching. And one of the things that they heard was, you know, we need more um, workshops and education on how to use technology, like how to use it, how to set up an iPhone and how to use the iPhone and how to use a computer and all that stuff. So they... AARP started setting up these, you know, paid workshops around the country to focus in on this. And basically it was because they just went out and asked the audience, what would you buy from us? What, you know, what do you need? And it's just such a powerful aspect of audience building that a lot of companies don't realize when they start in on this process. You know, it's always about how do we convince people to buy the stuff we have Instead of just saying, hey, listen, let's build an audience and then ask them what they want. Yeah, it's It's not rocket science. I was on, and I talked about this before, I was on Mark Masters' We Are the Media, which is a great podcast video cast uh, out of the UK. And I was on it this morning, and somebody asked me the question, how did you know uh, to, to create the idea for Content Marketing Institute? I said, that's easy. I didn't. I just right. listened to the audience, and finally, because I, I was focused on another product, trying to you know, ram this product down somebody's throat and say, this is the one, I love this one. And at the same time, I'm getting emails and messages and saying, hey, you know, is there is there a event that I could network with my peers that are going through the same issues in content marketing? And is there a training program out there on it? And it's like, oh my God, the whole time they're telling me exactly what to build, and I'm not listening. So that it's absolutely yeah. the best way to go if you if you have the audience at the center of the journey, let's say, and then from that you just create what they need. Done. Yeah, and I, I you know I think one of the keys here is to not 
you know, because this is something I've been working on with a lot of brands recently is not misunderstanding audience versus database, right? Um, and, and what I mean by that is, is that in varying degree, what I find one of the biggest traps that brands will fall into is looking at their marketing database and going, oh, we can do that. I have 50,000 people in my email database. I can just ask them. It's like, no, no, <laughs> that's not an audience. That's yeah. 50,000 people that you've scraped and bought and you know managed to insert into a database that may or may not give you high quality information. Do you know what's right? You know, they, it's they, so good. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean yeah. to cut you off. The, no, that's okay. It just reminded okay. me of our, of our good friend, Wally Koval, who's, who him and, him and his uh, beautiful bride started um, accidentally Wes Anderson on, on Instagram. And when he, if you remember this, remember they had, they were growing. It was an amazing thing. They were showing out these pictures and travel around things that looked like Wes Anderson. And he, um, they got the Vogue article. So they were covered in Vogue, and his big concern was, and they added, I don't know, like 25,000 followers in nothing. And he was concerned about that because he didn't want the numbers of audience. He wanted those audiences, that that new audience, to have the same characteristics as the one he was cultivating and building. And luckily they did, but he was re- I, I didn't realize how concerned he was about adding audience, and I, I love that concern. Because we automatically think, oh, we need more on the email newsletter. Let's go get that. We need more on the web. But we don't need more of anything. We need the right type of person and the right type of traffic. And sometimes we don't think about that. But Wally's a great example of that. He is. It's, it's a, it is a fantastic example of, by the way, someone really focused in on building an audience first and then figuring out you know, how to productize it, mm-hmm. um, which is a true obviously media company approach classic media company approach um but you know as we've been talking about for so long now becoming more classically a product company right and and you can do those things at the same time right it's not that you have to choose one over the other you know the you know continuing my thought there that you know the 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 idea of using our marketing database as synonymous with our audience of course is you know is an error However, it doesn't mean we can't build a marketing database and we can build an audience simultaneously yep. to that. And the key is, is that some of those audience members will become marketing leads. Some of them, most of them won't, but it doesn't mean that the audience doesn't have value. They can just help you deliver better and more valuable products, they, better insight, better research, better reach, all of that. It's, you know, it's yep. this fascinating thing but, called content by the way i got i got to give a shout out because uh wally's product one of his new products is coming out He's, he did that book called accidentally wes anderson it's a travel book it's coming out i believe in october so go to accidentallywesanderson.com they're not paying us at all to say it's just going to be outstanding if you like travel books you got to go order it it's going to be phenomenal okay i'm done uh, absolutely. Let's okay. move on to the next because it's it's related to this next oh, article. Good. Yeah, that's that's the, interesting um, how you did that. This, uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's almost like we designed yeah. the show flow in a specific way or something. You know, that kind of thing. Um, so uh, I'm now convinced. I, I did not the last time you posted a story from this guy's Substack. Um, I did not actually go out and subscribe. I have now fixed that. I've gone out and subscribed to this. Uh, Josh Sternberg, the media nut. Um, it's good stuff. Yeah, it's, it's it really, really is. Really good stuff. Um, he, he wrote in his Substack, and we'll, of course, link to that in the show notes, um, retailers are now media companies, too. And it's a roundup post of sorts, but it's also introducing the fact that CVS, the health company, has now introduced its own media network. Um, he opens up his post by saying, about a decade ago, I wrote a story about how brands were becoming publishers in their own right. Uh, companies realized they had massive audiences across Facebook and Twitter, and by building their own blogs, content arms, they could bypass critical, often skeptical reporters. So companies took baby steps on their way to becoming full-blown media companies, sorta. They started with curating content, giving fans little teasers here and there, and then they started to create content teams, even tapping their agencies to create brand newsrooms. Uh, out were the brand newsrooms that housed press releases, and in came the content. And then basically he goes through uh, a few other uh, things 
things introducing this, but gets to the point of the article, which was the launch of uh, CVS has basically launched their own in-store media network. Um, and he basically comes from an ad age report where it says Monday, the pharmacy chain announced uh, CVS Media Exchange, a digital media platform that gives consumer packaged goods brands targeting access to specific customers based on the retailer's own shopping data. The network allows brands to focus their ad spend on reaching the right customer at the right time with maximum efficiency, said Norman DeGreve, uh, CVS's health chief marketing officer, in a statement, noting that CVS can target both loyal and category shoppers and accurately validate the effectiveness of a campaign uh, by measuring both online and af- offline sales. So basically, they're, you know, they've got an audience yep. in-store and out-of-store, and they're leveraging that audience to sell advertising to their CPG, consumer packaged goods uh, partners. Fan, fa- fascinating idea. I mean, and, and this is just becoming more prevalent. I mean, you, Walmart has been doing this for a long time, mentions this a little bit That's in the right. article, but they've had this going on for a long time. If, so if some of the fast food fast restaurants. Fast food right, restaurants, you know, like, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, if you go back, catalog days, it started with, with a lot of that. And then we talked about before um, airline publications. You've got an yep. audience. Well, let's put, I mean, there was a time when I remember like with Southwest Airlines publication, they were printing money with that thing. It was unbelievable yeah, how much right. money they were getting. And still to this day, you know, COVID aside right before that, they were still fairly profitable publications. So I think what this is telling us, Robert, is that this is becoming more accepted, more relevant, and you have actually, so what's changed? What's changed is you have chief marketing officers actually considering it. That's it. They're just saying, oh, this is the thing. We could do it. And the more CBS examples that we're seeing out here, the more and more you're going to see it. And I don't remember. I think it was in a book called Killing Marketing where we talk about (laughs) this. Uh, The authors talk about this quite extensively where there's, you know, nine or ten different ways that you could – monetize an audience and CVS is picking up on one of those through sponsorship and partnerships. So I'm glad to see it. We're going to see more of it. We should see every other show. We should probably have something like this because it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, and the funny thing is I'll tell you, I was talking with, um, this was going back to the end of last year. And, uh, one of the things I was talking with an agency who does some of this content for, uh, the, the fast food industry, um, especially here in California. And one of the things that they were starting to see a real trend in was actually making the content good, right? I mean, because one of the challenges, of course, in this kind of situation is that the content is nothing other than just a, you know, a, a, basically just an infomercial for various products, yeah. right? It's just, you know, just add, 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 add. And what they discovered is, is that over time, people just tune that out, right? There's no there's no reason to watch it. There's no reason to listen to it. There's no reason to pay attention to it because it's quite frankly just a, a, a roll of ads. So they they've they've really been focused in or were I don't I haven't kept up in the in the last six months, but were really focused on making that content actually good. So they were actually going out and doing interviews with celebrities, and they you know they were going out and shooting original surfing footage, and you know all sorts of like Southern California types of activities and making like little mini documentaries, if you will, to, you know, to make it something worth paying attention to so that when you did see a ad get inserted, you were actually paying attention. Um, so it'll be interesting to see in this kind of thing, whether they'll actually take the time to make good content or whether they'll just sort of take it in and say, yeah, it's just, you know, it's a place where you can shove your 30 second ad if you want to. Well, I would, I would hope they, t- it's a great, it's a great point, valid point. And I don't know what's going to happen necessarily, but if they take a page from what the airlines did, the yes, they have their sections that are here's who here's our mission and here's the focus on so and so employee. But most of that stuff was were really, really exceptional travel content that you were getting into, depending on which airline you were engaging in the magazine. And I'm not gonna say which ones I like, but um so yeah, I, I it's it's interesting to see what's gonna happen. If they don't, they could get real greedy and say, oh, let's get this, let's get it going right up front. We don't care about the content. But if that's, if they're smart, they'll do it right. That's right. I mean, that's, and that's the key, right? Is, is that, it, you know, are you looking for the short term bump here or are you looking for building a long term 
platform. Invest in this. And taking their quote unquote revenue hit in the short term is probably a good thing to do in you know for the long term because it actually makes it interesting, useful, and a and a, and a good customer experience. You know, this is <laughs> not to put too fine a point on it, but you know, going back all the way up to you know our friends at Facebook, this one of the things that Facebook in the early days, um, you know. And everybody talked about this in the very, very early days of Facebook. You know, the, the, the question is, how are they going to monetize? How are they going to monetize? How are they going to monetize? Right. You know, and Zuckerberg was famous for saying, I just want to build something really cool. I want to build something that's really interesting. Um, and, you know, they even talk about it in the movie, the, that, movie. the social network. You know, right? that point is you great know? if you watch the movie, especially the beginning, because you've got, yeah. is it Edward Safran, I believe, was the co-founder. Yeah. And he right. is pushing yeah. Zuckerberg to monetize, monetize, monetize. And, and Zuckerberg's saying, no, no, it's, it's I want it to be great. I don't want to clutter it up with ads. It's not ready yet, whatever. Waited a long time until he flipped the switch. Boy, and, and boy, how that pendulum has swung, right? I mean, that's the... And that's the interesting thing that you find is that, you know, that that balance is is a tricky one. And, um, you know, we'll see if they can maintain it. Hey, well, speaking of maintaining a, a balance, we should talk about a wonderful sponsor that we have. I mean, come on now. You know, it's weird. As I sit here, it's September 3rd and labor. Yeah. <laughs> You know where I'd be right now? I'd be on an airplane. I'd be I'd be on an airplane right right normally. This yeah, normally this would be the time where I'm already setting up camp downtown Cleveland and and uh, you know we've Labor Day we've you know we've we've worked every Labor Day for the past how many years? It'd be nine yeah, right? years. And then this is the first Labor Day I've had off in nine it's years. So it's so crazy. So this year there is no in person content marketing world, but. Content Marketing World is going to be fantastic this year, October 13th through 16th, 2020. You absolutely have to register for this. It's, I've been seeing, I don't know if you have been seeing some of the, the Facebook group on online for Content Marketing World and some of the other, if everybody's getting real excited, they're using the hashtag yeah. CMWorld on Twitter. And uh, the lineup is simply fantastic. And, uh, you know, is it going to be the same? No, but it's going to be a great content experience that you absolutely have to sign up for. October 13th to 16th, 2020. And if you use the code PNR100, you get $100 off your registration. Um, there's a couple different registration options. You can get all kinds of stuff. So make sure you go check it out at contentmarketingworld.com. And I hear, I hear Uh-oh. that you might be speaking. And I think I'm speaking right after you. I think you are. Yes, yes. it's going to be. It's going to be. It's going to be fun. It's really going to be fun. I'm actually doing. I'm, I yeah, I promised the world uh, that I would actually do a real keynote this year, um, and not that anybody cares about. What I, I care. Have to say, but, but I care. But I'm going to do a real keynote. I'm not going to do something silly like I did last year. I I you know. Um, I might have a little silliness wrapped up my sleeves, but it's not. I'm not going to come out wearing an orange sequined <laughs> coat and top. I heard that. Like I heard I that. Unfortunately, got lost in in some kind of fire incident. It did. Yes. It was. It was not an unfortunate. It was one of the fire. California. It was, per, it was unfortunately all these it, horrible it, it, California fires. But it, I it no. I set the fire. Oh, you I, set I, the fire. I, you started. I, it. Yeah, I burned yeah. that thing to the ground. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kept the top hat though. The top hat's a really nice hat. Um, that I that I kept. I, I have no idea if I'll ever use it again, but I, it's a really great hat, and I just kept it. Maybe I'll use it as a planter or something. I don't Planter's know. Planter's um, good. Yeah, it's much yeah. better than on your head. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is true. That but that's a low bar for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, all right. Well, that's content marketing world. Yeah. Please show up. It's going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be really fun. Um, now. Well, now it is time. That is Don't right, even. ladies and gentlemen. It is. Don't. It, yeah, of course I'm going Don't. to. It is time for your favorite part of the show as proven, now absolutely proven by a scientific study conducted by renowned data scientist Fiddly Jibber 47, <laughs> <laughs> who replaces the 46 Fiddly Jibbers behind him. Um, Fiddly Jibber 47 conducted a scientific study uh, on the absolutely scientifically proven platform 
Twitter. Um, and uh, all of this was uh, assorted into wonderful platforms conducted in secret technologically hideaways within the bowels of Silicon Valley. And it is absolutely now 100% proven to be your favorite part of the show, which is... Our rancid rage. Okay, section. I just have something to say, but I'm, I already, I already said my piece on Twitter and how I didn't like the statistical significance of this. I'm just so we'll put that out there right now. But the choices were it was rancid and like which is your favorite part? One, rants and raves. Two, football, mostly about conversation around how bad the Browns are, and then three, marketing news. So nobody listens to this for marketing news at all because the first two places were already taken. It's ridiculous. We're professionals. Well, no, that's so you misread the question. See, this is why you should not be a researcher. The question was, what is your favorite part of the show? Not which parts of the show you listen to. No, that's what I'm just saying. Yeah, but they don't. That means they really don't care about the news. (laughs) Why are we even doing the news? We could just do. No, you know, it was the most. So of the episode from two weeks ago, you know what everybody was talking about? Your stupid Sean Connery impression. That's what well, everyone's that's talking about. It's so amazing. <laughs> and then, I don't know. Fiddle de jibber. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I have nothing more to say. Whatever. Are we? Is there okay. a segment All here? Right. Are you, do you have something? There is a segment here. There is a segment here. It is the empirically proven favorite part of the show, which is our rants and raves section when Joe and I go off in a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like voting twice or, or not. Um, so, uh, do you want to go I'll first? Go first. Or shall yeah, I, I go, go first. first. My, okay, you, my, and, okay. And I think I talked about on this show that this was going to happen. So, one of my, again, one of my predictions that that come true. This is a rant and a rave. Uh, this comes from Adweek.com, who is self-promoting the fact that Adweek acquires target marketing and publishing executive. If you're mil- those are two media sites, two magazines that were for sale. I, I don't know what was it a month ago. We talked about the publishing executive being for sale, and how there's an opportunity for somebody. So the rave is for Adweek, who probably got this for a cheeseburger and a diet coke. So good for them for going ahead and doing that and pulling the trigger on that. My rant is, wow, there were so many companies, Robert, that that should have gone after this property that are not media companies. That's um, right. I have 10 in my head right now. That would have been a perfect fit. Uh, and it's, um, I'm not saying it's frustrating. Add, great to Adweek. They were all over it. Probably happened next day they were on it or maybe it was in the works before it was even publicized. But again, my concern comes down to you have certain CEOs and chief marketing officers that aren't thinking out of the box enough when there is a gold bar right in front of you and you just think it's a little too heavy or you don't like the look of it so you pass it by it is well they're not paying attention they're just not i mean this isn't i mean this is the kind of thing where i mean this is your world right i mean you know so this is i mean in, in so many ways this is so reflective of the two worlds that you and i separately came from and why we ended up working so well together because of the merging of those worlds, you know, me coming from the sort of CMO brand marketing practitioner side and you coming from the business strategy and the media business. And, you know, the, the, your, your world is paying attention to this, right? So when those, when those companies are in trouble and the ad week publishers are looking out around the, environment going hey what should we do oh my gosh that's that happened let's go let's go do something about it let's go assign johnny to it and get johnny to go do it and you know and the brand folks are just like they it just never hits their radar and that's the that's the real key for and my message to all of those sort of cmos out out there in the world is like this is something you should you know because it is top of your list Becoming a media organization and becoming better at content and getting content operations de-siloed in your organization and creating better audiences and all of those things is is hitting your list. Um, and so that one place you can get a good radar sense of that is is in this world. You know, speaking of Johnny, remember that movie Short Circuit with Steve Gutenberg? Of course. Yeah. Who's Johnny? I don't know why I just thought about yeah. that. But, you know, you said Johnny. So the first thing I thought of was uh, that little robot dude. You know, so here. Or, the, well, the men at work song. Johnny, Johnny. We'll go. No, keep going. I don't know if I know that one. Do I know that one? Uh, yeah, you know that one. 
uh, Johnny. God, ah, I'm, I'm singing it horribly. Somebody um, else can. It's the Minute Work song. Yeah, somebody, somebody else will, can, can somebody tell else. us. Um, Post a link. No, so I want to end it on this one. Here's, I, I was talking to somebody the other day about this, about how media executives and marketing executives think differently when it's regarding content creation. A marketing person will think about creating something. So storytelling, creativity, originality, very important on the marketing side. Publishing side, that's secondary. They're looking at, is it available for purchase before we create something new? It's very, yeah. and that's now that's what you're saying. That need, there's nothing wrong with originality and, and creativity, but if you can go and shorten the cycle down instead of taking two to three years to build a loyal audience over something, shorten that to a couple months, you do it, even if you have to pay more yeah. up front. And that's where publishing executives and media executives are thinking. And it'll get there. I mean, someday. Yeah. I mean, it's just, someday. Yeah, you just got to. We have brand product companies have to stop thinking about content marketing as a singular marketing tactic that only can be used to drive a direct marketing result and instead have to think of this as how do I make this a business strategy where one aspect of it is a tactic that drives better direct marketing results. And so it's literally that shift has to happen in order for content marketing to really work because, you know, otherwise you are simply just trying to use content as asset to, you know, as better bait basically for direct marketing campaigns. And it's hard. It's really, really hard. But taking a weirdly and ironically taking a more expansive business strategy look makes content marketing easier. Who's Johnny? There's, there's your bumper sticker. Who's Johnny? He said. <laughs> All right. Is it my turn to go on Johnny. this? Johnny. Uh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, I'm going. You, you got to look up that Men at Work song. All right. I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it right now. It's bugging. Okay. All right. So I have two quick commentaries here, um, which uh, uh, the first one I'll go through very, very quickly because it's just related to what we talked about today. So, um, which sort of buries the news, um, did not uh, see this. Ha- coming um and basically happened uh, very very recently um the news is actually posting um uh let's see august 21st so literally i guess uh, a week and a half ago or so uh facebook chief marketing officer antonio lucio who of course you and i know from back in the visa days and hp days um and um uh he's left the company um he's left the company his last day on the job is september 18th the fat, the thing, which is no longer like it's not that big a, a news deal. The, the what I found fascinating about the sort of, you know, news item of the Facebook CMO leaving is one, they're losing their CMO, so that'll be very interesting to see what happens now. Is he, he said the reason that he was leaving um, was basically to focus a hundred percent of his time on diversity, inclusion, and equity, and I'm just fascinated that he could not basically fulfill that part At of Facebook, his life. Yeah. At Facebook, yeah. And so that, that tells me everything I need to know about the culture at Facebook is that when, you know, I mean, he, he's quoted as saying, there's no question we've made mistakes and we're in the process of addressing them um, and all of that kind of thing. But what it tells me is, is that if you can't fulfill your mission there, then I'm not sure other than, you know, the biggest platform in the world for that, that, that I don't, I'm not sure, you know, it just tells me everything I need to know about the culture of Facebook. It's kind of, I mean, if you're if you're right, which seems like you might be, that's a little bit sad. Well, I'm making a I'm making an assumption. I'm making a big assumption. You know what they say but, about um, assuming, Robert? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I do it a lot. I do it a lot. So, um, my second piece, really quickly here, and big hat tip to at Martin Pilka uh, on Twitter. Uh, thank you, Martin, for sending this over. It was great. Um, is that uh, Mattress Firm, um, which uh, is a mattress company, has launched Sleep.com. Um, so yet another in the myriad sort of uh, mattress worlds of, of content marketing platforms that seem to sort of swing the pendulum each year between, oh my God, this is the worst idea ever, said Casper Mattress, and then suddenly said, oh, it's the best idea ever, and then somebody else says it's a horrible idea, and then somebody else says it's a great idea. So I'm very curious to follow what sleep.com will be doing. It seems like their ambitions are very big on this. 
um, having had some experience working with clients in this space, I will tell you it's fascinating to me that the pendulum, they swung the pendulum this far. Um, it seems that the mattress industry is really sort of a, an SEO play more than anything else. And what I have seen from most of, uh, most of the competitors in this space is that they're really just trying to arbitrage the best reviews um, and SEO ratings on third-party websites. So for them to actually launch a platform that is going to editorially compete just seems strange to me, but I'm glad for it. I'm, I'm very glad to see it happen, and I hope I'm very encouraging of their, of their efforts did you, here. Did you so go hope, to the site? I hope they do well. Did you go to the I site? I did. Okay. I did. Yeah. Um, it's, I was not impressed. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's fi- yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Now, here's what interested me. If you look on the upper nav, there's one that's va- called Van Life. Van, there's, so there's a whole there, there's a whole movement, there's a whole audience around people that basically live in their vans, and, and yeah. they want to be comfortable, and they want you know how like I'm sure if you type in you know how, which how do I get a mattress for for my van? There's all kinds of SEO stuff around that one. But what I like is. I think that's the future of sleep.com. Sleep.com, I think, is so broad, and I think that's where Van Winkles from, uh, which was the launch of Casper, got into trouble. It became so broad, like just, hey, we're going to talk about the importance of sleep. Right. Well, that th- there was or nothing. Or the design of your bedroom yeah, or something there was like that. No, there was no, there wasn't enough differentiation there. What I do like, like what if sleep.com became, let's say, the Huffington Van Pope. life. Yeah. Yep. One is van life. One is RVs. One is you know whatever, right? Uh, I, yep. I tiny houses, you know those types of things. I think there is an opportunity where you could say not not create the sleep.com, but create van life and tiny house life and those types of things, but sponsored by by them, and they're they're coming at it as a mattress company trying to take a leadership area in those those fields. So that's what yeah. that's where yes. I think the opportunity is. It looks like they hit on something, but I don't know where they're going with it. Yeah, I, I think I, it'll be fun to watch. Yeah. It'll be, you know, I've I've added it to my little tracking, and I'm gonna I'm gonna watch and see what they do. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. Well, all right, Mister, what's what's uh, so you've got Labor Day off for the first time in nine years. What uh, what are you gonna do? Uh, I what think do? I should cook out. I think I should <laughs> grill. Yeah, I think I should uh, uh, burn some some animal flesh and have something on the grill. Uh, I think that that is appropriate and uh, consume consume some some beverages. I think that will be yeah. that will be done. I don't know if I should go with you know regular the beer route or go with the Tito's route, Ooh. which I'm I'm a fan of both. I have to tell you. Um, so it's really going to be a tough decision on Monday, <laughs> which. Which direction I go? Or what are you doing, sir? Are you going to the beach house? Uh, I we are not actually, and, and and the reason is, oddly, um, well, one, I've got a ton of work I need to get done before the end of the week, um, so I am actually hoping to take the weekend off and have a nice three day weekend. But I'm not going to get a four day weekend, so I'll have tomorrow to do like lots and lots of work and prep um, for stuff. Um, but I am. We are going to stay here. We're going to stay. So I am actually going to look to do some barbecue and some some stuff and hang out a little by the pool. It's supposed to be unmercifully hot here uh, in L.A. over the weekend. So I'm. I have to be honest. I'm not looking terribly much toward that. But yeah, I am looking forward to getting out on the grill a little bit, getting into the pool, maybe maybe taking a beach hike or something. But yeah, we're gonna we're actually going to stay home this weekend. Nice. Well, enjoy yourself yeah. and everyone. Have a have a wonderful. Weekend, absolutely, and a then, nice long, yes, long restful holidays. We restful weekend. As, I okay. I think everyone on Monday stay off Facebook. No Facebook Monday. There you go. No Facebook there Monday. Nothing against oh, nothing that, against Facebook. We should start that. No Facebook. Start like a hashtag. No Facebook. Oh my god, Monday. I'm doing it right now. So you do it, and I'll do it right after this. We're recording this at it's 1:43 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday, and I'm going to say for that's on, no Facebook on Monday. Take it off. Yeah, I like it. Hashtag, hashtag no Facebook Monday. No Facebook Monday. All right. And for now, that would be it for us with the no ha- hashtag Facebook Monday thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the hell I'm saying. We're signing off. Yep. 
And if you like this episode, by the way, if you like this episode, number 244, 244 of these bad boys, ladies and gentlemen, we're asking you right now to do two things, two very specific things. One, with your time that you have on hashtag no Facebook Monday, go to iTunes and review the show. Give us a nice, big, kind review. Um, We really would really appreciate that. That's how we sort of, you know... Um, gamify this whole thing about trying to become a little more popular and a little more widespread. So go to iTunes and give us a review. And two, share the podcast with a friend, right? Just send them a link and say, hey, listen, you got to listen to this and say like that. They may not like it. They, they may not They may not dig it like you do, um, but that's okay. Send, send it to a friend. Um, we're publishing now, if you're new to the show, we're publishing twice a month. So we'll be back uh, uh, during the week after football is back, so you can look forward to more more of that. Well, they're excited um, about that one. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they are. Basically, every other week we're publishing. Uh, in the meantime, while you're waiting for the next show, if you want more Joe Polizzi, do that at JoePolizzi.com, uh, and especially signed up for his random newsletter, which is just absolutely killer. Just a, just a great, great, great newsletter. Uh, and as for me, if you're interested in all that's going on in the world of the practitioner business of content, content strategy, content marketing, and all of that. Uh, it's contentadvisory.net. Hashtag us up, won't you, on the social media story ideas. We love those. Uh, hashtag us up. Take the polls, the scientifically proven polls that go up. Those are always good. <laughs> Everything, of course, we talked about will be in the show notes as it goes up uh, and uh, when the show goes up. And in the meantime, till we see you again, remember, everybody, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. See you in a couple of weeks on This Old Marketing.